Thank you for listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please support the show by subscribing to and leaving a five-star rating for the show on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and any of your favorite podcast platforms. You can also support the show by going to our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, where there's always exciting articles by the BNG writing staff. While you're there, don't forget to click on the fanatics.com banner for a great sports fan shopping experience. Are you, are you done yet? We're going to start the show. Welcome to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, presented by the Black and Gold Productions Podcast Network and sponsored by Bet Online. Go to betonline.ag and enter code CLNS50. Today is November 8th, 2020. It is episode 202. And I am your host, Matt Barry. And I am joined each week by Mark Allred. Hello, Mark. Matt, what's up, brother? How are you doing? I'm doing fine. And and sitting in for Heather this week, who's under the weather, and we hope Heather does, uh, you know, feels better soon. We have blackandgoldhockey.com writer and our good buddy, Jack Gottsell. Jack, good to have you on today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to uh, talk some Bruins hockey here. Absolutely. And this week, another uh, jam-packed agenda for us. And before that, Mark has some words for us. Yes, I want to do want to talk about show sponsor, betonline.ag. NFL football continues this week, which has a few surprise teams at the top of the standings. And you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at betonline.ag. No matter how schedules change or players that play, betonline.ag is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on every game this season with the fastest updated odds in the industry. There are always more options to wager than anywhere online. Head over to betonline.ag today to take advantage of all the great mid-season bonuses, offers, and contests. And please don't forget to use promo code CLNS50. That's CLNS50. Betonline.ag, your online wagering experts. Excellent. Thank you, Mark. And now it is time to announce uh, we have a Bruins birthday. November 8th is Andre Kasha's birthday. So happy birthday to Andre. And just want to talk a little bit about the expectations with Kasha. And, you know, I've sort of been a little hesitant to get on the Kasha bandwagon last year in regular season, six games with Boston, not a huge sample size, but only one assist. And then in 11 postseason games did not score as well. So 17 total games, a lot of goal. I thought he did show a little bit of 
chemistry at times with David Krejci and the Bruins will really need Andre Kasha to come along next year and provide some production for that second line. So I just want to get your thoughts, Mark, on what you expect, I guess, from Kasha coming up this season. Hopefully something good. I mean, we did give up a first round pick for him, which I thought was a, a, a very valuable one that went the other way. I really wanted to get into this round and possibly secure our, 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 a winger, a right winger, actually, because uh, it was a very winger heavy draft. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens with him. I do want to just give him the benefit of the doubt. We're getting a little more games under his belt, see what we have. And if things don't work, he does have another year term that um, might be attractive to somebody else if they want to move him and, uh, and possibly increase the uh, uh, progression of a Jack Stanika. And obviously we have Craig Smith that's in the fold now too. So, I mean, you can navigate at Kasha and say that he could be a trade piece if things go south. And by the way, I do want to say as the uh, founder and CEO of Black and Gold Productions Sports Media Company, this is Jack's uh, premiere on the uh, Black and Gold pod. This is his debut on the mothership and uh, welcome, sir. We really appreciate the time today. Yeah, thank you. I'm excited to be here. This is awesome. I've been listening to this podcast for so many years and now I uh, find myself on it. Kind of a dream come true right there. Very cool. Awesome. I'm blushing, by the way. Very, very, very. <laughs> <laughs> Jack, what do you think you're getting from Kasha? See, the thing that scares me about Kasha is, is you saw him in Anaheim. He had that breakout season where he he looked like he was going to be possibly a future all-star in this league. He was, he was lighting it up and, and you haven't seen it since he has a tendency to get a lot of shots on net, create a lot of chances, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you can't actually finish and put the puck in the net. And that's kind of what we've seen in, from him in Boston. It's, it's more of the same. And people are like, Oh, well, you got to give him a chance. You got to give him more time. The issue is these are the same problems he's had in Anaheim. So how big of a leash do you give, Kasha before you say maybe that's just the type of player he is maybe he creates a lot of chances and, and he looks beautiful in the course he in, in those advanced analytics but at the end of the day he doesn't help you where it counts and that's on the scoreboard yeah and I, I I agree with you on the advanced analytics I think you can massage the numbers to look good for just about anybody and I what the thing about Kasha he did have 11 goals in 30 games I think it was an 18-19 in, in a shorter type of season, but he was scoring at a clip at about 11 to 13% shot percentage. But now with the Bruins and, and even before that with Anaheim earlier in the season, where he only had, I think it was seven goals for them in 49 games. I, I just, I, I don't know. I'm with you. I think you can either finish or you can't. And I think there's a big difference between top six and bottom six when it comes to that. And he'll, he'll need to show me that he can score at a better clip, especially with a really good centerman who's passed first like Krejci. I mean, if you can't develop and score some opportunities playing with David Krejci, then, I mean, that's all the opportunity I think you, you would really need with the Bruins. So I, I give him a little bit of time here in the beginning of the season, but then, I mean, I would consider dropping him down to a bottom six and then see what you have maybe in Studnika. Maybe, maybe you give that time to Studnika to develop a month or two and then see if you can bump him up and then bump Kasha down. Maybe he plays with Smith and, and Charlie Coyle or, or something like that because, you know, the jury's out. I, I believe you are what you are after a while, though. 
So I think that while is coming up pretty soon here for Kasha. And um, like you said, he did have a really good year. I think it was in 17, 18, he had 20 goals and it looked like he was coming along. But sometimes you're a seventh round pick for a reason. And, and that's what he was. And, and hopefully they're going to need him to really build that secondary scoring and, and really fill out that roster. So I hope, I hope I am wrong, but I'm leaning towards he is what he is right now, but hopefully he'll come in strong and start with a good, good start to the season. Next yeah, time on the, go ahead. Hang on a sec, Matt. Um, the, the thing uh, that uh, we bought all forgot right now is Marshan and, and Pasternak are going to be out. So he is going to be heavily relied on in the early parts of the season to express that, I have experience. I belong here. I need to play better to get this attention that a rookie might take my spot away. And that's, that's, that could very well happen with this, uh, these younger, the youthful members of this Boston Bruins organization that are really going to be fighting for spots. And, well, that's uh, true. That's you know, true. I think, I'm, I think one of them is going to be like Zach Sinatian, whether he plays in the top uh, or the bottom six, he could be fighting with Kasha on that right side too. I, 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 I yeah. Yeah, I'm heavily, probably heavily weighed on um, Kasha getting the job because he's got NHL experience. But if he doesn't produce, you know, the better players are going to play. That's what Don Sweeney said anyway. Right. I think it's true. And I think he could end up playing with Bergeron to start the year. I mean, if both Hostock and Marshawn are gone, maybe he goes up there with, with Bergeron and, and try him there for a bit. But again, I think that's he's given ample opportunity in the beginning of this upcoming season to kind of show what he can bring and and hopefully it does right from the get-go, because I think the fans will start to get on that even more and more. I mean, you gave up a first-round pick. I know you got rid of the Bacchus contract, and but you gave up a first-round pick and a decent defensive prospect for him. Like, okay, let's let's see uh, let's see what we can get from him. So I don't I don't know. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic, and I'm trying to remain that way when it comes to Andre. But hey, anyway, happy birthday, Andre. Um, yeah, that's true. Happy birthday, Andre. <laughs> happy um, birthday. Next on the agenda is uh, without a vaccine, how comfortable would you be to be in an NHL hockey rink again? Um, I don't know, Jack, would you, are you comfortable? I mean, you, you give a sense of immortality. I mean, do you think you just, you would be good just being in the rink and, and you're a young guy, you, you, you know, is that, is that even in your thought process going into a rink? Um, I, if, it depends on like the circumstances here. I mean, if, if the protocols are in place and, and they make it safe and, and I'm comfortable with it, I, I probably would, would be comfortable in a hockey rink. If we're social distance, everybody's wearing a mask and, and they, they do the proper procedures. I know we've seen like other sports, uh, mainly football where sometimes they put it on TV and it's like, all right, well, people are wearing masks like below their face. They're not socially distanced there. It gets a little iffy. Cause I mean, although I'm probably not worried about me being directly affected by this, I mean, then I could bring it home and I, I could, uh, go see my dad and, and maybe give him COVID. That's, that's what would scare me. Not, not mainly myself, but spreading it to like people that are, are close to me, that would be a fear. So it would definitely have to be with proper procedures, but I would be comfortable going in and watching a hockey game. Mark, would you be all right with going in? I know you're, I mean, you've been dying for hockey and, and so have I, and we'd love to go, but would, how would you feel about it? I'm an absolute, and most people know that I'm an absolute junkie when it comes to hockey and I'll do whatever it takes to, to view it. But there's, there's certain um, thresholds that I I'll cross when it comes to health and safety. 
And for me, I would much rather ride this whole thing out, whether you believe it or not, uh, you know, I'm getting more facts today that it's actually real. So, you know, it kind of hits home for me. And, um, you know, it, you never really know what's what, what, when the vaccine's going to happen. I'm hearing it's going to be late 2021. That's not appeasing to the owners of the NHL, especially Jeremy Jacobs, who relies on a heavy, a heavy load of, of what he makes a year in concession. So um, I, I wouldn't do the risk. I would want to wait. I have nine TVs in this freaking studio. I can watch hockey, no problem, and be safe and, 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 and shelter myself. So I don't have any worries about it. I'm a big fan of live hockey, absolutely. But I'm also uh, just a fiend that I can, I can find it somewhere and still be safe. So I'm out on uh, going anytime soon. I would rather see a vaccine involved and I'd feel much more comfortable, you know, much like the flu. I had my flu shot last month. So I, you know, I'm, I feel pretty good about that. So moving forward, once things are, are more readily available to everybody and uh, we'll, we'll go from there, but I'm sure the NHL is going to do the same due diligence and do that uh, day by day, week by week, month by month um, kind of, uh, staging, if it does happen and you get fans in the stands again, you're probably going to see a 25%, a 50, a 75, and then max capacity later on. So we'll see what happens. But, you know, I am dying to go to a game. Absolutely. But you know, I can wait. Yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement. I I, if, I guess if I had tickets presented to me and the opportunity, I'd be like, yeah, you know, let's go. And then I'd probably feel awkward going in. <laughs> like, I don't know. It just so big. Well, how would you feel so if you strange. gave them away? <laughs> I know. Then if I gave them away and everything was fine, that would be the worst thing, too. I'd be stuck with these tickets. Like, I don't know what I could do. Um, but I also have my, my dad's an usher at TD Garden. He's been for this will be his 13th season. He's 70. You know, and, and, you know, I'd be afraid that if, you know, what about these workers who have to go in and, and work, um, you, know, you know, do you have concessions there? Do you, I mean, do the ushers go in there and work with people and finding their seat? And, you know, is he going to go in there and be exposed? So, I, I mean, there's a lot of different factors, not just the actual going into the game and watching it. I think college football has been really pushing the envelope, as Jack said. I'm watching Notre Dame last night and, yeah, the student section are all cramped together. Then they charge the field <laughs> at the end of it. Like a, just a mob scene at midfield. Uh, just incredible. I mean, I, we saw Justin Turner with the Dodgers just jump into the pile. He had COVID and he's in the pile next to Dave Roberts who had cancer. You know, it's just insane. Like what happens wow. to people when they, when they, you know, I think sports bring out such passion in people that there's almost a, a thing in your brain that causes you to do things that are just outside of the realm of of possible of reasonability like you just you just think of you know you get outside the box and you're thinking it's like i'm just gonna go go to the game and i can't live without the game and you know geez you know there are some boundaries like you said mark and i i think i would probably be hesitant to go back in i it's just a weird feeling it's amazing what massive amounts of alcohol would do to you. I know. I mean, that's the thing. College kids, I mean, I guess if you want to throw them out as guinea pigs and say, okay, let's try it with college campuses and see what happens. And we haven't seen a ton of, I guess, outbreaks when it comes to the, I guess, uh, we haven't heard anyway. But I'm watching Clemson football and they've got, they say they have 19,000 people there. That's If that's 19,000, then I'd like to see what 48,000 is because it looked like it. I mean, it's just crazy. So I don't, I don't know. I'm... Uh, I would probably be hesitant. I'd feel awkward to go in because like Jack said, what if I'm, 
going in and then expose, I mean, if I go to down and see, see my mother, you know, or something, or just be around someone at Dunkin' Donuts or something and expose them. And you never know. I mean, that's the, that's the seriousness and the, and the scariness about a virus like this. So I would be like you, Mark, and say, I, I really can't with a good conscience do it until there's a vaccine. The virus isn't going away. Even if we wear a mask all the time, it's not going away. And uh, I know people who have it, who've, who've been very diligent about mask wearing. So it's, it's, uh, you know, it's a very difficult situation. I know we miss sports and I know the business of sports brings in such money to the government and so forth, but man, it, it's really a bind right now, especially in flu season. So I, I don't know, not the greatest scenario, I guess. Um, next item on the agenda, B, a BNG writer, Mike Craddy, who does uh, some great writing for us on blackandgoldhockey.com. I had four scenarios for the Boston Bruins 2020-21 defense via Twitter posted on Friday. I thought it was very interesting. He had, he had four different choices. And I actually picked a fifth choice. <laughs> did you really? Break. I did. I, I, he had Lausanne. He didn't have Lausanne in the one that I wanted. He had Zaboral in Lausanne's spot that I thought Lausanne should be in. So I don't know. I, I wanted to see your thoughts first, Mark, on what your three pairings would be, what your sixth defense would be. And then I'll, I'll tell you mine and we can go with Jack too. Well, all right. First of all, let me just read out what Mike said on the tweet so everybody can know, okay. and then we'll go from there and then we'll pick like uh, which option is the best and possibly have a one B, but Mike put out on Twitter uh, uh, Friday uh, option one for the Bruins defense, Grizzly McAvoy, Zaboro Carlo, Chara Clifton option two, Grizzlick McAvoy, Chara Carlo, Zaboro Clifton. Option three, Grizzlick McAvoy, Zaboro Carlo, Lausanne Clifton. And option four, Grizzlick McAvoy, Lausanne Carlo, Zaboro Clifton. And for me, I was a big fan of three, but my one B is definitely four. Okay. So I had, I like the, the, I like Grizzlick, Car, uh, Grizzlick McAvoy. Then I like Lausanne with Carlo. And then I like Chara Clifton. And that wasn't an option because he had Zaboral in that Lausanne spot on that one. So I would go with that. But um, I don't know, Jack, what would you, what, what pairings would you like to start the season with? Uh, I'm with Mark here. I would go with three with uh, McAvoy and Grizzlick, Zaboral and Carlo in Lausanne and Clifton. And the only reason I wouldn't put uh, Lausanne and, and Carlo together is because I think that defensive pair might just be a little too slow. I, okay. I love both of those defensemen, and I just don't love them together. Okay. And I think you're going to see Lausanne, if, if he does play his strong side, which he has not done most of his time in Boston, I think you're going to see that he is a much better shutdown defenseman than he's looked so far in, in his Bruins career. I think he is more comfortable on his strong side, although he, he has looked great even playing on his off offside. That's not a knock on him. I just think he can look even better. Okay. Well, that's valid. Cause that may, maybe that's why Mike in the article put that option for Zaboral there at the second pair with Carlo and then had Lausanne and, and Clifton. And that makes more sense now when you factor in, I didn't think of the speed and, and that's a good point is that, uh, that's why you can't have Charo with Carlo, you know, and I don't want Charo anywhere in the other top two pairs, but I, I wouldn't mind Chara on a third pair and in, in, in a healthy scratch him every third or fourth night. I don't mind that. 
Um, so that's why kind of I had Chara there. But um, but yeah, that's a good point about Lausanne and the speed factor with Carlo, because I think that's one of the problems with Chara and Carlo together is that it's just too slow. I didn't ask the kid to join us for nothing, boys. Yeah, he's on it. I mean, he's on it. But that's a very valid point. I didn't, I mean, I like Lausanne. And I, he's got some size. I, I, I just like him. I think if, if he continues to play and get a regular spot, I think part of the jumping in and out of the lineup hurts younger players sometimes. I think we've seen it with Clifton. Like yeah. Clifton would look bad at times, but I think it's because he's in and out of the lineup. Yeah. And then when he's in the lineup for a good amount of time, he starts to really gain some traction. And I think sometimes that's difficult. And we something we don't, we don't think about, I think as fans is, these kids just getting bounced around from AHL to NHL and in healthy scratch to, to playing is not easy, you know, to, to sit for a couple of nights and then get in the lineup. What, what I like about it, Matt, and, and these guys, especially when you're talking about Lausanne and Clifton, are they team friendly? I mean, cap friendly deals uh, right around a million dollars, if not a little more for Lausanne works very well um, to keep the, the youthful movement progressing upward while you're trying to sustain um, better secondary scoring, more secondary options to get the puck in the net and go for a guy that can, that can, can do that. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's so many avenues of thinking about the organization and how it thrives and, and, and having cat friendly deals with younger members, it, it just really works. I mean, if you, if you dissect the business at all in hockey, it's, 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 it's more than just wins and losses on a regular schedule. It's, it's just, you got to think about it as, as, as a spectrum, you know, it, it, lights coming at this at, at so many different, it's coming at you one way, but it's going out several different, uh, different aspects. So. Yeah, it's very true. Um, next item on the agenda, rumor has it Boston Bruins and the ECHL team, the Jacksonville Icemen are talking about a one-year affiliation um, and Mark, you're the, you're the minor league guy, you're the ECHL guy. So we'll have you speak on this, but, uh, right now Bruins have an agreement with Atlantic gladiators, correct? No, they don't. No, they don't. So they what don't happened, know. what happened with Atlanta is, uh, previous to the 2019, 20 season, there was an agreement with Atlanta for one year affiliation. The, the Boston Bruins were affiliated with Atlanta since 2015 after mm. leaving the uh, South Carolina Stingrays after several seasons. Okay. So they went to Atlanta and they've been doing, they used to, they did two year deal, another two year deal. And then they did a one year deal. Mm. So um, at the close of the COVID uh, times uh, in the East coast hockey league, which closed down the regular season and the uh, Kelly cup playoffs that ended right there the affiliation agreement with the Boston Bruins. There were rumors from Mark Diver on, uh, he's a Providence, I'm sorry, he used to be the Providence Journal writer, but now he writes for New England Hockey Journal. He mentioned that there were talks about Atlanta coming back and being the Bruins uh, AA minor pro affiliate, but the Atlanta Gladiators opted out of the 2020-21 season due right. to the COVID times because Georgia only has 25% occupancy per, per area. And those, though, like we said in a previous podcast, that number is not enough money to generate, um, to keep the organization going with operational costs. So they just said, we're going to wash this year and we'll see what happens next time. So that leaves now an empty spot in the, in the affiliation. Um, there was also a rumor going around that because the Bruins don't 
another thing, and I know I, I know I, I talk about this all the time. The East Coast Hockey League normally is not full of Boston Bruins prospects. It's a filler system for the pro, for the higher American Hockey League, which is a lot of AHL deals that play in the East Coast League. Two or three prospects from the Bruins have been in, in Atlanta for the past couple of seasons. That's it. It's not a full team. So the uh, Diver was talking about the possibility of the Boston Bruins not having an affiliation this season, making uh, like uh, players like Pavel Shen and, and some other people, uh, they can go out on the league on loans, much like how Bennington did with, with uh, St. Louis and, and the Boston Bruins organization. So now Jacksonville is being talked about per Flutus uh, Zawa of the Athletic mentioned something in his uh, uh, article about uh, Jacobs Borrell and, and, and he was talking to John Ferguson, the uh, general manager of the Providence Bruins. And he said that they are in, in uh, discussions with uh, an affiliation. So um, real quick, for me, the speculation starts to pick up a little bit about this because if you only have two or three prospects in a 20 or 2018 league, loans can be done that way. But if you're planning on harboring more prospects and keeping them close by, that's when you're going to need an affiliation with the team. So my thought is the Boston Bruins are, are starting the small steps of stockpiling prospects and, and, and NCAA prospects are cheap and they can go down and sign deals down there and then work their way up. Um, so I, I kind of want to see that happen with an aggressive uh, development um, and if you want to play, you, you got to work through your levels just like anybody else does. But now I think there's going to be a little more stabilization in the, in the prospect pool with a league like this and, a, and an affiliation like this. So, I mean, it remains to be seen, nothing's in set in stone right now, but I would guess that with the, uh, the East coast hockey league starting on December 11th, that things are going to get picked up really soon. So expect an article from me, uh, soon about what I talked about right now but also expect an article from me when it actually comes to fruition. I mean, that's interesting because they do have, you know, you talked about the Bruins have, you know, goalie prospects and other prospects who need to find a home if they don't have a, you know, a, a, these minor league affiliates to play with. I know that the ECHL team up here in Maine, Maine Mariners, who are an affiliate of the New York Rangers, uh, they look to start mid-January or so. Um, but who knows if that'll be, they, they are ones who haven't opted out yet. So hopefully, um, you know, we can get some sort of minor league hockey. It's a very challenging time though. It's just, I just laugh at the Georgia, at the Georgia, uh, ruling because I'm watching university of Georgia football and there's all sorts of people there. Yeah. There's but, more than 25 uh, But that's funny. That. Yeah. If you don't play football, then you're on a different rules, uh, I guess, but, uh, it might be how it works yeah. down South. Yeah, yeah, I, think, I think it is. <laughs> Yeah, football's a little different than anything else. It's the reason I why so. I hate football. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so another another uh, minor league um, organization, the USHL, kicked off their regular season this weekend. We had some Bruins prospects. I did see some clips on Mason Lowry, uh, the number one pick or the first pick of the uh, for the Boston Bruins uh, in the second round this year. And, you know, I, I kind of like what I saw in the clips and I've been watching him a little bit here and there in certain clips. And I know they're, I know they're clips that show positives of him, 
but it does look like he does have some skill. Jack, I don't know if you've seen any of the lower yeah, eye. I watched or... that this morning. He he, he did, showed okay. a bunch of confidence when he jumped he up did. into the play, uh, got down low, threw the puck in front of the net. And when you throw the puck in front of the net, good things can happen. And uh, someone mm-hmm. was able to be there to pop it home. But it's good to see him step up and be willing to be, make, be confident and really drive into the offensive zone. Because sometimes with these younger players, you know, they, they play nervous, they play back, they don't want to take chances like that. And it's good for his development if he is taking those chances in, in, in giving himself more opportunity to really hone his skill and, and make it to the NHL level, hopefully someday. Mark, what have you liked from Mason? Um, I just watched last night's game. I, saw, I did see that video of him cutting through all three zones, which I thought was impressive. Um, big kid, lanky. Got, he does have definitely have to put some weight on, but the sample size that we're seeing right now and the way he moves and his, and his, uh, his hands. And I'll talk about that uh, in a little bit um, is, is, is something to, you know, it's something to be proud of. Did the Bruins reach? Absolutely. But they were probably addressing a certain need. Like I was telling Matt earlier in the pre-show before Jack joined us. Um, the, it just seems that the Bruins are very character person people you know and i and i think when they want to bring in somebody into the into the whole clan it's got to be the right people it's got even as a development thing you want to see these kids as soon as they leave the podium you want to get character and then we'll work on your skill then and there and then you come into the boston bruins organization as a as a a mature uh, asset you know what i'm saying so um his military schooling background probably might've did something along with the size, of course, because the Bruins are going to go for a, an over six foot defenseman and, and, and roll the dice. But uh, last night he did play in his second, um, uh, he started his second season with the Green Bay Gamblers. Uh, he had an assist in his first game of the, uh, of the year in a four to two win over Muskegon. I thought he played well, um, you know, uh, solid, solid defenseman shut down, but can be mobile. Um, and, and I know it's going to sound weird and stupid, but what I really thought it was, was really cool. What I saw him with was the warmups, uh, H I'm sorry, hockey TV, uh, shows like, um, uh, a video of the warmups and even before that. So I was just sitting here working in the office and I saw the warmups and his hands, I was really impressed with how he warmed up by, you know, moving around and, and, and doing these skate things and, and just his hands in tight areas, just working on his game, getting ready. I thought that that was impressive for a big kid. So, um, you know, some, there's some positive things to come out. You know, I, I think that that was one thing I heard on the draft analysis. And one thing that the Bruins liked about him was his tight, his movement in tight spaces. And I think that that's, and that's something that Bruce Cassidy likes as defenseman that to make a move and get the puck ahead. And, and it's not a Claude Julian system where they're passing it to each other behind the net 15 times and then, and then cautiously bringing it up. He, he wants defensemen who can move the puck, get it. You know, Grizzlick is a good example of this. He's a terrific skater in tight spaces. He's terrific on his edges. He does. Uh, he's a fantastic skater. And uh, that helps him to move the puck ahead and make the right play. And, and I think they like that about Loray. And, um, and I like some of the, some of the clips I saw of him as well. I, this is a draft pick that takes a little bit of a beating because of the reaches they've made in the last few years on the draft, as far as the Bruins are concerned. It also, they aren't, they're staying away from Canadian 
one players for some reason too. So that, that has been under speculation as well. But I think if you take away all of that and just look at the player himself, I think you, you've got a kid who has some upside and some size who can put some more weight on the frame. And I think that he could, you know, he could potentially be something there. You know, yeah. I, and I like it. And last night, uh, Riley Duran, uh, the Youngstown Phantoms, uh, he had no points in his uh, 2021 regular season debut, but did manage to get a shot on goal with several other chances that I thought were good, but they were blocked. Um, his release his release on a block shot was pretty good. I got to give credit to the – I mean, it, it sounds stupid, but he was at the right place at the right time, but somebody beat him there before then. So um, – they beat the Dubuque Fighting Saints 5-3 to three last night. Um, Jake Schmaltz of Green Bay, uh, he had uh, zero points in a 4-2 win over the Muskegon Lumberjacks last night. Although zero points on the night, the uh, rangy forward played a very good game, 200-foot uh, game. I thought it was very impressive, and five shots on net, which was uh, also good. So he, he had his chances. Uh, both Green Bay Gamblers and Youngstown Phantoms will be playing each other on Thursday night, which is awesome because I can navigate nine TVs down to one and watch two prospects or three prospects. But wow. the, Sioux Saint, the, the Sioux City Musketeers and Bruins defensive prospect Mason Langenbrunner um, will be in action on Friday night this week against with the Waterloo Blackhawks. Hmm. And Langenbrunner is the son, of course, of Jamie Langenbrunner, who is – I think he's the director of play development for the Bruins. So exactly, that was an in, that was an in-house uh, an in-house draft pick. But you know, good bloodlines. I mean, Jamie was an excellent player for a long time for the Devils and others. So um, on to the next item and more prospect talk. Bruins prospect update of players overseas on loan. Mark. Just jacking. Can you get a word in here? Or what? Oh well, <laughs> no, I did actually want to. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. I did want to bring one one thing on that Langenbrunner. Uh, right. That actually was also not a reach. I mean, I know you see his ties to the Bruins organization and, and maybe it raised some eyebrows. However, where he was in central scouting and where the Bruins picked him, they did not reach for that player. I thought that was a great value pick in an, in a really good selection in a player that I could see possibly developing. I mean, when you're picking somebody late in the NHL draft, you never know what you're going to get. But you just got to go for the good value there. And I think that's what they did when they drafted Langenbrunner. That was definitely not a reach. Well, I, I think that's a good point. I think it's a good point because I think that, you know, as you said, if you look at the history of the, the percentage of players in the last, say, four rounds of the draft that make it to the NHL, it's very low. So it's a it's an absolute crapshoot. And if you can get someone who has some ability, some bloodlines and so forth, and you really have a good read on it might as well take that kid over someone you, you don't know all that much about. And, and look at it's you, you, if you're, you're, the percentage of, of hitting on that pick is very low anyway. So you might as well make that sort of move. So I, I would agree with you on that. Um, I do want to say that, um, you know, it's a lazy narrative for the Bruins fans out there that are listening, but ones that I would really love to tag and get involved in this because it's such a terrible take that you know when a prospect is really bad and you're reaching when the NHL network doesn't have any tape on them. That's sad. Right. right. I mean, I, that's just, you're slapping development in the face, honestly, by that narrative saying that they don't have tape on them. Come on, give me a break. These guys are always going to have tape on the guys that are going to be up front. The Bruins didn't have a first round pick this year, gentlemen, people, you know, it, it is what it is, but 
to, to go that you went really far when the guy doesn't have tape. That's just really sad. Sad. Yeah, I, I'd agree. I mean, that's that it is a second round it was a 58th pick. I mean, it's not it's not like they reached at 15 or and they didn't have any tape on the guy. I mean, that would be a that would be a little more alarming. But when you're talking about 58, I, I agree with you. I mean, that's just I mean, for what I've seen from Loray, you know, look, second second rounder and a defenseman with some size and some ability with his hands and offensive, maybe some offensive upside, you know, what the hell? Yeah. Go ahead and go ahead and take him and see if you can develop. Him. Yeah. Um, getting back to the uh, prospects that are overseas, uh, Victor Berglund, he's on loan for the Lulia HF club in the SHL. He's got two goals, six assists, eight points in 10 games. And per uh, eliteprospects.com has not seen action since uh, October 24th of this year. So moving on to Peter Solarik, a forward. Uh, he's not on loan. He plays for the Lexan IF club in the SHL. He has eight goals, six assists, 14 points in 12 games. And again, per uh, eliteprospects.com has seen action last on 10, 27, 20. I wonder if it's a holiday going on over there because these guys aren't <laughs> playing and I can't, I can't see that they're both injured. So, um, uh, anyway, moving on to uh, somebody that's been quiet lately since been on loan in his Czech Republic uh, country is forward Jakob Lauko. He plays for the HC Energy Karlovy Vary Czech team. <laughs> I, I, listen, I read that the listen. other day. Didn't want to uh, touch it. Okay. That sounded I'm going right? to send you the whole thing so you understand what I just said. And I didn't screw it up. I read it the other day and I was like, oh boy, I'm not even going to try that. Oh, it's a tongue tire. It's a tongue tire. But uh, anyway, he um, has played in five games this year uh, for that team and um, uh, went pointless in four games. In his fifth game, I uh, had a goal, two assists, three points, really, really stepped up. Uh, so, yeah. So, Lauko's doing good. Uh, it's about, good to see him. And the last one that really is, is making noise is, uh, is forward Oscar Steen. He's on loan uh, with the IF uh, Bjork Loven club uh, in the Alice Venskin league in the, um, in Sweden. And he's got seven goals, two assists, nine points in 12 games and had a goal in today's game, uh, breaking through the fence and releasing a sick wrist shot to beat the goalie. Do you guys see that? I did yes, see I that did. one. I, I oh, did that was that. nasty. Such a nasty. He's such good skill. Such good yeah. skill. I, I, I don't know. Jack, do you have any thoughts on any of those? I like, I really am intrigued by Victor Berglund. And he's a low round pick, but everything I've heard about him says that he could really be a steal down there. Uh, he's a great prospect. He, he looks like he could possibly crack the NHL in maybe the next two years. I mean, he's going to get an opportunity. Maybe not this year. I would lean more towards uh in two years i think he'll get a good opportunity to try to make the club but the guy that i really like out of all those is welco hmm. i mean you see it it's it's kind of been in flashes but he's also dealt with a lot of injuries so i think there's a lot of components as to why you've seen that and i mean he was on that team that uh went to the memorial cup i believe they won the memorial cup yep and i think he was injured when during... yeah and I believe he was injured during that Memorial Cup run, but he played a big part in why they got there and uh, why they were such a great team. I, I think he's fantastic. And then you saw him in the preseason last year for the Boston Bruins, and he looked phenomenal. He looked like a player that you could see here sooner rather than later. 
And I think he'll get a shot for sure in this year's preseason. And I'm excited and can't wait to see what we see from him. Yeah, I saw, I mean, in Lauco when they drafted him, and I heard some of the things about him that he had, you know, pretty good motor, played hard and scrappy. And and um, and I thought there were some good things from, you know, I heard some good things about Lauco, and I'd like to see him now really become more consistent and really show some offensive production. And like you said, stay away from injury and that sort of thing. I will, and we did talk about this last week about the defensemen. The Bruins have really done a good job with it, developing their defensemen that they've brought in house. If you think of all the, thankfully they've drafted and developed pretty well on the defensive side, well, they'd be in trouble right now because, you know, when you talk about Zaboral and Lozon and Clifton and McAvoy and Grizzlick and Carlo, I mean, it's all homegrown kids and they've done an amazing job. And I know Jay Leach has a big, you know, big part of that. And, and their defensemen have really come along and they've developed quite a few of them and they have others in the pipeline as well. And they seem to be really healthy in the organization among the defensive side. And, and again, thankfully, because they'd be in trouble if they had to patch those. Now it, it, the jury's still out on whether or not they can go with all these young defensemen and still be a contender type of team. Cause that's scary proposition but they do have the ability anyway to fill those holes with these younger players and, and players with ability and upside. So I think that's a good sign. I really do. Um, so another prospect, Curtis Hall, who's actually the roommate of Trevor Kuntar, who was a draft pick of uh, the Boston Bruins this year and is going on to BC. Uh, he was a roommate of, of Kuntar and Curtis Hall is coming up in his junior year at Yale University. Um, and Mark, what do you think will come of Curtis Hall? Uh, this is a weird thing because of the, due to the COVID times and the Ivy League, which has still not gotten back to the table about coming back this season. Um, and found out <laughs> recently that uh, talking to Mike Craddy, um, senior writer at the blackandgoldhockey.com, last night on a sportscaster stream that I did, he told me that Kuntai was originally committed to Harvard. And because of the fact is that what was going on with the COVID thing, and Ivy League hockey probably not coming back. He um, left to go to the, uh, Hockey East, where he probably got the inside information that they were going to actually start playing earlier in the year, or, or on closer to on time, whatever. I mean, it's way past the, the college hockey on time right now, but you know what I'm saying. Mm. But I found that very interesting for what Mike said. So um, good on him to get, you know. Uh, with bc i mean hockey east bc that's a really good good team good program mm -hmm. um but uh, i i with the curtis hall thing the ivy league not playing it's still in limbo where he's going to end up although i will say that the ontario hockey league is 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 trying to come back too he is drafted by the uh flint firebirds and has an option to go there as well um, I'm not sure if he leaves there and decommits or how it, how it works that he won't be able to go back. I'm not sure, but, uh, that's an option for him to go if that, if that's it. And, uh, I know European hockey is considered professional. I'm not sure if he'd be able to go over there and still have, uh, a scholarship. I'm not a college guy, Jack, you might know a little bit more about that. Yeah, I'm not sure. And, and I'm not sure if they would even give an exemption uh, with all that's going on. I would hope that maybe they would. 
but I doubt it because the NCAA doesn't usually budge. So my guess is he probably cannot play professionally, but I don't know about the, maybe the OHL. I wonder if that could be a route for him. And maybe I, I wonder if that would ruin his scholarship or, or whatnot there. I'm not completely sure. I talked to uh, Mike Craddy last night on the Sportscaster live stream. Um, and we even involved Jack Beecher, John Beecher, um, and said that, you know, he had an option. If, if the Big Ten wasn't going to happen and Michigan wasn't going to play this year, he could have gone to the OHL Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. So, that you know, that could have been a viable option depending on when they were going to start. But thankfully, Big Ten's coming back. Michigan's coming back. Mel Pearson and um, – and, uh, um, Jack Beecher. Yeah. So Jack I think, Becker. you know, I, Jack yeah, Becker. I, I, Jack, <laughs> I think that, um, you know, it's important, obviously, for someone like Hall not to lose a year of, of playing time. So I'm hoping, and with these, and with the Ivy League prestigious schools, you, you know, some, sometimes I know that the, the little, they call it the little Ivy, the Bowdens and the Colbys, they, they've canceled winter sports. So, Sometimes the more prestigious schools with lots of money have sort of erred on the side of caution and, and closed down sports and things. So I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if, if you wouldn't see Ivy League hockey this winter, um, depending on the numbers and such. But hopefully Curtis is going to find a place to play. And I'm glad to see that Michigan will play. I'm glad to see that, that uh, Hockey East has decided to come back uh, as well so that's a that's a really good thing another thing you got to think about too is if he if there's no hockey for curtis hall and he can't go anywhere it might force him to sign pro right and that's yeah. that's what i kind of thought of is maybe go to go to providence really just... or the east coast hockey league wherever right yeah yeah i, mean, I really i really like uh curtis hall though as a as a prospect <laughs> i mean i hold the world juniors in very high regards and and he did play there I know uh, Cody Jansen of uh, World Hockey Report and Sportsnet was saying it the other day. Like, the the World Juniors is the second like biggest thing next to the Stanley Cup playoffs as far as a a player's nerves go. From players he's talked to, it's it's very nerve wracking. It's it's intense. It it gets you ready for that pro experience. And if you can go there and play well, you're on a good path to go pro and play well there as well, because it, it doesn't get much more nerve wracking than going and playing for your country in such a big tournament. And you know, all the eyes are on you and Curtis Hall went there and he looked very good. He looked like he belonged in that tournament and he played excellent. Oh, you mean, you mean playing with Brown in front of 1300 people is not nerve wracking. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen a couple of games. I used to actually do public address announcing for Brown university years ago. And um, saw you know, a lot of Brown hockey and it's uh, you know, sometimes those, those, you know, venues, arenas, it's not, it's not a real, uh, you know, high intensity sort of atmosphere. So to go from that to, to really playing a high leverage, you know, NHL hockey games, I, I think that's a pretty good point in your, is that, you know, if you don't have the experience of playing in high pressure situations like that, then it can be real nerve wracking at the next level. So that's a, that's actually a good point. I really think of is that it does prepare you for that next level. Absolutely. Um, next item on the agenda. Well, Ryan Strom of the New York Rangers has signed a boys arbitration, signs a two-year $9 million deal, four and a half million per year. And to stay with the Rangers. So I don't know how this affects the brusque. We've seen 
Gurianov sign for much lower than people probably thought. We've seen Vertanen uh, sign for much less than people thought. So I don't know where this sort of fits to Brusque. I think as the days go on, I think you're looking at a two-year, $7 million deal. I think that's probably where I forecast it. But I didn't know, Jack, where you thought. Because going into the season, I thought Jake might have a chance at $5 million per year per year uh, going into the offseason. But then when I saw the salaries dropping like a rock, now I'm more like a three and a half per year. Yeah, I mean, when both of these sides go to the negotiation table, they're going to be able to have a list of 10 names. Jake DeBrus' agent is going to be where, oh, these guys got paid this. This is what he should be getting paid. And, and the Bruins are going to say, well, these guys got paid all this. You look at what shotgun Jake Vertanen signed. <laughs> I mean, that's a discount bargain if I've ever seen one. But then you mm. see LeBlanc signed mm. for some pretty good money. Brown, who's definitely not as good of a player as DeBrusque yet in his career, mm. signed for a lot more money than uh, what he's worth. So you could point to that and say, oh, DeBrusque should get this much. So I, I honestly don't think the comparables are really even going to matter anymore. I think the Bruins are going to pick a number and they're going to stand firm on it like they have done all offseason. When you've seen that with these unrestricted free agents they've been trying to sign, the Bruins give a price and they don't care if they get outbid. They, they're sticking to their price and they're not going to budge from it. And I think Jake is going to run into the same issue. I think the Bruins are going to put a price down on, on the paper and either signs it or he doesn't. And I think they'll, they'll wait him out. There's no rush for them to go and uh, get him locked up. So I think this is going to go all the way to maybe like right before camp. It could even go into camp. Uh, but I wouldn't expect if, if, like I said on my podcast last week, if you're refreshing your Twitter for Jake DeBrus news, take a break and uh, chill out because <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's coming anytime soon. But but when I it does get done, I do think it's a two year bridge deal, in maybe around somewhere between three point five to three point seven five. I I don't think they go to four million to get it done. And and by <clears throat> By the way, before I say anything about Jake DeVros' contract, I do want to mention that the Jacked Up, uh, I'm sorry, Bruins Talk Jacked Up Hockey Podcast, you find it on all listening platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, we got him everywhere. And he's also on the blackandgoldhockey.com podcast network. So check that out, folks. Follow Jack too. Jack, what's your, what's your um, Twitter account? Uh, it's at Jack Gotzel, J-A-C-K-G-O-T-S-E-L-L. There you go. So I do did want to mention that before I went into my thank you my my depressed <laughs> rant. I am more or less I'm I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Jake. Big fan, Jack. You got your jersey right there. Uh, I it's upstairs right now. <laughs> I don't have my Jake right. jersey with me. Now I know Jack's not a hater. So anyway, <laughs> um. I'm, no, I'm a big fan of Jake. I just, I, I really think that everybody looks at him and says uh, the sample size in his entry level contract uh, wasn't enough. Let's, let's move on from him. I don't think I, I want to see him at a short-term deal, much like we talked about Kasha. Things don't work out. See you later. Uh, with, with DeBrusque, let's get him to a two-year deal right around 2.735 in that range, I'm fine with that. With the production he did in his ELC, I think that kind of warrants that. It's 20 years, I'm sorry, 20 goals per season average. We'll see. But I don't want to give up on him yet. But I'm also on the fence to say that if he could bring back a solid defenseman in a trade, 
I'm also about that too. So, you know, I'm a fence guy. You guys know that. I like, I like the, I like him on the team and I like him in the market. So we'll see what happens, but that's just all I got to say. Well, he's not missing consistency. Well, right. And that's what I, that's what I, I mean, he's still relatively young with he 24. He has shown an ability to play in some of the bigger games. Uh, He's kind of a kid that when it's going well, it's going really well. And when it's not going well, he kind of falls into a hole. And I think that's where the consistency is sort of goes up and down with him. And I think, I don't know if it's a confidence thing. I don't think it's an effort thing. I really don't. I don't think he's out there not putting an effort. And I think it, people misconstrue that sometimes. I think it's just that if he can't score a few games, it starts to snowball him and he needs a goal. I've never seen anyone who, who loves scoring goals more than Jake DeBrusque with all the sellies he has and everything. I mean, he just, he loves scoring goals. That's what he's about. And when he does score goals, he feels great about himself. And and it really leads to, that's why he scores in bunches. But then when he doesn't, it really starts to, to snowball on him. So I, I would say that I'd like to get him in the three and a half to four. I wouldn't go much more than four a year with him right now. I'd, I'd like to go bridge. I think the Bruins are probably looking at, just what Jack said is right around there with a two-year deal and just see where the financial climate is. I don't think they want to get into a long-term deal unless you take a real discount. I mean, they gave three years to Craig Smith because he took 3.1, which is a very fair deal. And I don't think Jabrusk in his camp wants to do that. So it's going to be interesting. I, I'm with Jack. It's going right to the end of the line, I think. And typically they avoid arbitration. I think Blake Wheeler was the last one to go all the way. Oh, wait. Them. And yeah, that's 12 years. I mean, that's a long time. So I think it's- Oh, your uh, math is so much better than mine. <laughs> when it's even numbers, I'm pretty good. Luckily, uh, luckily, Jake doesn't have arbitration this year because I haven't loved uh, those numbers for teams that have come right. out of arbitration this season. Some right. of those guys have been getting paid. Right. By and I, that's interesting with the financial climate, the way it is for that to happen. It's almost like they disregarded it. It's just, it, I saw some of those too. I was like, wow, that's Mackenzie Weger just got three and a half or something a year. Yeah. And I thought, I thought, you know, okay, great. I didn't even know who the guy was until the Bruins rumors. Like I, who is this guy? <laughs> Like, well, Paul Chari didn't put him on the map for you. No, no. Fans and no. The business. I'm looking forward to a Chari scoring six goals again. That slug. Noel Gretzky. <laughs> Jeez. Him and Vitrano can go uh can go be uh twelfth in the twelfth in the standings again if they liked. Oh, Mark uh, would have hated my nickname for uh Noel Chari. I used to call him no points and all. No points and oh. all. Oh yeah. See, I wasn't, I wasn't a big fan of Noel either, but I did like him on the fourth line. I didn't like his experiment on the top right. That was a, that was a, oh, anywhere yeah. above the fourth line. It was bad. Yeah. But you know what? Look what he's done in a different environment in Florida. Guy yeah. goes up to the top line, works with, uh, what, Huberto and so yeah. on, and, and scores like 20 goals. So good on yeah. him, but. Yeah, good on him. Low and I heard though. he's the nicest guy off the ice you could ever meet. So I feel yeah. bad now after uh, I heard that on my no points well, and all. I just heard how great of a guy he is. And I'm like, oh, geez. Oh, that's good. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, let's see. We're right, right about the hour mark. I don't know if you wanted to. Yeah, why don't, we, why don't we do that? Let's take a break and hear from right. the great folks at the store next door up in Yarmouth, Nova Scotia. It is the holidays, folks. These guys recycle used hockey sticks and make awesome furniture out of it and other great items. So uh, please go to the store next door.ca 
and I help these great folks, special people with uh, special jobs, and they're just doing great things. And and like I said, they do ship for the holidays. So they the Adirondack chairs, picture frames, chairs. I mean, there's so many things that you can get. I got a hockey puck thing that I'm going to show on the uh, later on. You can either use it in the office for pens and pencils or use it in the bathroom for toothbrushes. It's freaking amazing. It's two pucks with a hockey stick in the middle. Unbelievable. So we'll be giving one of those away or a couple of those away in our Patreon thing. We will talk about it later. But for right now, we'll be right back. We'll hear from the store next door.ca. There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs one stick at a time. Our gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with, and we reuse and recycle as much as possible. Our most popular item is probably our hockey furniture. We take broken hockey sticks and turn them into different products. We go through a lot of hockey sticks. A lot. A whole lot. Considering that it's only been a year and we're shipping internationally, I think that that's been a huge success. Most people's reactions are, wow, you do this here. We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time. Hey, Bruins fans, we are back. We just heard from the great folks at the storenextdoor.ca. Please go and to uh, go to the website and do some shopping up there for some fantastic items, like I said before. But we're back. We got an agenda to get back to. So, Matt, lead us off. All right. Hockey East returns November 20th, we, we had mentioned earlier. And Bruins draft pick Trevor Kuntauer is going to begin his BC career. Uh, he had a great year with ECHL last year at 28 goals, one of the top scorers in the ECHL. He's six foot 200, good size. He has a, a good motor. We've heard some interesting uh, sort of evaluations about him being a grinder and a guy who works in the dirty areas and, and will play hard on the puck and those types of things. He's going to play with some superior talent at BC. They're a top, top of the nation team. They're a candidate to win the national championship this year with Matt Boldy, who was a 12th pick in the draft to the wild and Alex Newhook, who's 16th pick in the draft to the avalanche and uh, Logan Hutsko, who was a third round pick in 2018 of the Panthers. I mean, they have, they are loaded and he's going to play with some really good talent for BC. So I don't know. We'll start with Jack on what uh, your sort of expectations are or how excited you are to see Kuntar actually play and play at a high level. Well, I'm actually very excited to see him local. And like, I mean, I, I watch a lot of those hockey East games. I'm usually watching Boston University. I'm not going to lie, <laughs> but uh, I'll have to tune into a couple more BC games because I, I love when these players stay local. And I mean, I know there's coronavirus right now, so maybe I'm, I'm more than likely probably not going to go and see him play. But if it were normal times, it'd be awesome to go and, and see him play. I love when they stay local. And hockey East is so it's such a good conference for, for college hockey. I mean, people like to, to drag on college hockey, but I think it's just as good of uh, hockey as you'd find in like the O or the Q or the W up in Canada. It, it's very competitive. Uh, you've seen so many NHL players come out of 
hockey's Northeastern, BC, BU. They, they've like Charlie McAvoy, Matt Grizzuk. Look at our first D pair right there. Two kids that played at BU together. It's going to be good to see him uh, play against that competition and, and have that him here locally and him be able to have access to go and maybe see the Bruins play a little bit. It, it's awesome. Mark, what do you think of Kuntar and his opportunity at BC? Yeah, and and with the return uh, in December, I'm really looking forward to. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, November 20th. Actually, it's even earlier, even better. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, watching these games. I don't know a ton about. Him. I know he did play for the USHL, and he had a he had a pretty good season there. Um, but I'm more or less uh, really keeping track on him because of you know he was drafted in 2020. So now my my track uh, is on him to watch more games, learn more about him and, and, and kind of, you know, a fun projection of where he's going to land in the, in the future when it comes to uh, the next ones in the NHL. So uh, just, just all around looking forward to watching BC hockey on one of these nine freaking screens. So, <laughs> you know, they, in the prospects of him after, you know, Boldy, you have to imagine that Boldy and Newhook uh, will probably be leaving after next year uh to to go to their to their nhl teams and and that'll give kuntar even more of an opportunity a sophomore season maybe to play on some of the top lines for bc and and gain that experience and competition level i actually talked uh, on another podcast to the host of green line podcast uh that's a bc campus podcast that talk a lot about bc sports and they were really high on on Kuntar and high and really excited to see him as a Bruins draft pick into the fray and, and excited to have Boldy and Newhook all come back uh, and Spencer Knight and the goaltender all coming back. So they were really looking for the expectation is really to win a national championship if they do have some sort of tournament at the end of the year. So this is a loaded BC team. And I think that Kuntar is going to reap the benefits of playing with some real high level uh uh, teammates and against high-level competition for sure. Um, next on the agenda, former Bruins prospects Wiley Sherman and Cedric Pare have signed new deals with teams. Um, and uh, Mark, I'll let you uh, discuss Wiley Sherman and Cedric Pare. Let's go with Sherman first. Um, it, he was he was a draft pick in 2013. Uh, been around for a while. Harvard Harvard graduate, all four seasons. Uh, just a big shutdown project. It just didn't work out. He wasn't qualified this year. Um, so, and probably just couldn't find any work with the COVID related stuff that's going on. So, uh, overseas to Denmark, he goes. So the best of luck to Wiley, um, over there. Uh, and I hate saying this because I haven't seen much of, of Nick Wolf, but I just kind of, the comparables are so close to them. I want Nick Wolf to blow me away when I actually see him more often uh, in Providence, uh, either on AHL TV or if we ever get back in the building with media credentials. So um, I, I want him to, to make me eat my words about, about what's going on here. But it's good on him to keep going uh, in his professional career. This might be a move for Wiley to uh, keep skating, uh, you know, keep the blood moving, and then next year when things get a little better and relaxed, that he might be able to find a job uh, sooner rather than later. Because believe it or not, AHL teams aren't really signing players right now because there's, there's still a little bit of uncertainty, even though that the league's probably coming back in January 5th. We're still a ways away, but players can't wait that long to get going. So he just made the jump 
might have a better opportunity at a pro career, uh, either in the East Coast League or the AHL next season, or even the NHL, who knows? But um, uh, Cedric Pare, another interesting one, uh, drafted in the seventh round of the 2016. Listen, this kid was a good two-way forward, just didn't put up with the points all the time uh, when he was playing for the St. John Sea Dogs. Uh, and when uh, a player like Joe Valeno was traded away because the St. John Sea Dogs were rebuilding their franchise, uh, Cedric Pare was part of the, that uh, uh, core that got traded as well to get assets and, and draft picks and so on to rebuild the Dogs team. So uh, Pare goes to the Ramuski Oceanic, which is a very powerful team. And, and you know, Sidney Crosby went to uh, play there. So um, and his offensive skills jumped up a little bit. He had 13 goals. And he had uh, some, I, I can't remember how many assists he had in points, but um, the following season, he jumped up in the in the top six lineup alongside Alexei Lafreniere, which is the the first round pick of this year's draft, and and his skill set, Pare's skill set went absolutely overboard. Now, unfortunately, while this upload of talent surrounded by great players like Lafreniere happened, the Bruins didn't have property of him. Before last season, they did not qualify him and uh, Daniel Bukash, which is a, um, a defenseman who played for the Brandon Wheat Kings and then traded over to the Niagara Ice Dogs. Uh, they didn't get qualified, so that was it for that. So a lot of Bruins fans were not hating the scouting, were hating the scouting staff because of what happened with Lafreniere and why didn't they get him to an entry level deal? I'm under the impression that Paré, a Quebec native wasn't thrilled with the with the Bruins organization I don't have insight about that but I have heard some rumors unconfirmed of course so I'm not going to actually say that's the reason but Paré signs a one-year deal with the Utah Grizzlies in the East Coast League so we'll see what happens if they can complement Paré with players like they did with Lafreniere which is probably it, it's it's absolutely impossible but if you can mix him with some good players that he can play with, you'll probably get the best thing out of him. And Paré could actually audition for a time elsewhere in the NHL. Who knows? But good on him for to keep his pro career going. And, you know, I, I enjoyed watching him. I, I interviewed him several times at development camp, a solid kid, uh, very French, didn't understand a damn word he said, but we, <laughs> we, uh, we made some good, some good uh, content out of it anyway. So you're telling me you don't think there's a player like Lafreniere in the East Coast League? <laughs> no, no. no. M- maybe uh, Samuel Asseline. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Pare, Pare, of course, looks like a wasted pick. I mean, obviously, but again, we've talked about the crapshoot at the end of the draft. And, late round, yeah. You know, late round, and sometimes you hit the right spot, like you said. I mean, if I'm playing with Lafreniere, I might. I can't even skate. I could probably score 15 goals. I mean, I, I mean, that's you know, he's a top level talent. I mean, I don't. So I don't. I mean, his 37 goals with Ramuski is maybe a flash in the pan, but he may be a late bloomer. Who knows? But I don't blame the Bruins. I mean, for God's sakes. I mean, not every not every pick, not even close to every pick uh, hits. And I know we bang on them a lot, but you can bang on them for the reaches in the first round in 2015 for sure. You can re, you know, bang on them for, I think it was a 2013 draft that basically had nobody. I mean, you can bang on them a lot, but the late rounds, there's a lot of teams a mile long 
that don't do well in the late rounds. So yeah, think, and yeah. and that was Alan Bissonnette's. Uh, Alan Bissonnette is a Quebec Major Junior Hockey League scout for the Boston Bruins, and that was his guy to go and get. And he saw a two round, a two way game, much of the style like Bergeron. And and I'm not throwing puns out there because if you look at Paré and Bergeron, and possibly throw in a spooner, that's like a small family right there. They all look the same. <laughs> they all look the same. I'm kidding. I mean, yeah. I'm serious. Yeah. <laughs> I miss that spooner skating thing where he's where he used to swivel his hips and whatever the hell that move was and never got him to anywhere and give it up the other way and oh. and give it yeah and then and then, <laughs> uh, and then complain about the coaching staff yeah, yeah, yeah exactly like so and then, then go DJ across the street after the game right yeah that, I remember that about spoons <laughs> I love it why, I don't even think he's in the league is he I don't know who knows no he's no. in the K I believe or either that is somewhere in Europe. Yeah, he, he bounced around. I heard he's playing time. at some nightclub in the in the Russia. Yeah, I'm sure. But it was everybody else's fault, I thought. Um, all right, next time on the agenda, there was an NBC Sports article on the Bruins' areas of need, and it was on NBCSports.com, NHL section. It says, Bruins' forward depth is even better than last season. So I want to get your guys' take. Jack, we'll go with you first on, could this hmm. potentially be a deeper forward group? Yeah, you know, considering your brush stays than it has been in the past. Yeah, I mean, I really do like Craig Smith. However, I've seen a lot of people saying that Craig Smith is is the second line right wing. And I, I don't love that. I, I really love Craig Smith on the third line. I would love to see him with Coyle in, in Bjork down there on the third line. Uh, I I don't love our second line. I really don't. I don't love Craigie DeBrush in Kasha, which looks like it, it's going to be that I, I would love to see the Bruins experiment. I, I know they did it late in the season, too late in the season, but, but throw Pasternak down on that second line and let's go with DeBrusque, Krejci and Pasta. And then if Kasha can't score on that first line, then yes, by all means ship him out of town at the trade deadline. I doubt it's going to happen. It seems we're so stubborn and sticking that first line together and, and we refuse to try anything else because they produce so much, but then look at the rest of the lineup. You don't get the production you need. You don't get the secondary scoring. And I, I Craig Smith has been a career third line uh, player and he's done great there. He he's bang for your buck we got him on a discount he's going to be an unbelievable third line player for the Bruins but but that's what he is he is what he is he's a third line player he's not your second line solution uh for me I have a hard time with the the article itself it, it was good um but the the addition of one player and then automatically saying it was better than a team that from last season which was you know, you had a hundred point year before the COVID happened. And I don't know about that. Uh, that the, the title was a little too much for me. Uh, who was that Bean? Cause it certainly wasn't. Certainly no, was Alex, Alex Gert or something like that. Oh, okay. I know it wasn't Haggerty. So no, um, no. yeah, I just, I have a hard time. If the Bruins went out and got a player like Smith and made it a solid addition on the defense, then I'd say I'm fully on board with agreeing with that, but there's still a few holes on this Boston Bruins team that need to be mended because there was the St. Louis blues exposed the shit out of it in the Stanley cup finals, the Tampa Bay lightning definitely exposed it in, in last year's play in or, or return to play in the Stanley cup finals. So 
I still think there's a lot of work to go. I'm not saying that there's a tough guy needed uh, to, to, to patrol the ice and, and, you know, police what's wrong and right. But I also think that you need that type of game, but you also need a transition game and you also need an offensive game. So you need an all round player uh, at forward and defense to really make me believe that this is a solid team that's going to compete at least next season for the Stanley cup. And I think that one addition isn't enough for me to really believe in that article. I'm with you. I'm, I'm with Jack on moving pasta down to the second line and maybe, you know, I keep going back to this, but Studnika, and I know he's still slight and he still needs to put some weight on and he still doesn't have a lot of experience, but he's shown flashes to be a top six forward. I I'd experiment with him. If he, if he has a pretty good camp and has shown, you know, some progress, I'd throw him up there for a month on the, on the top line with Bergeron. Now, of course, Pasternak and, and Marshall won't be there, but I'd throw him up there with Bergeron, see what you get there. And then with Kasha, I'm also with you guys on, look, you're, you're, you have a, a window of time here to show that you can produce. And if you can't, then I'd put him down the third line and then jettison him out, like Jack said, if you had to. I, I think that forward depth is better if Stadnika and Frederick, and with the addition of Smith of, and Kasha produces, then I think you're all there. I think you're all there. Like, I, I think that that's deeper. But I think that there's a lot of ifs there. <laughs> and I also don't see a lot of organizational depth when you have injuries. And that's what's really going to be tested in the forward. I think you have more organizational depth as defensemen. But as forwards with Pasta and Marchand out early, it's really going to test your organizational depth of the forward position. And I, and so when you say deeper, I'm with you guys, it's a tricky word. It's not, it may be deeper if some guys pan out on the NHL roster, but it's not deeper within the organization. In fact, it's kind of slight. And I'm, and I'm really, I'm really sort of concerned that they don't have enough depth at the forward position if there are more injuries. Because who's to say a couple of guys don't get hurt the first week of the season. Now you're without your top two offensive players and then you're without whoever gets hurt. Now you're really scrambling. So yeah, I, no, that's a, know, such so. a valid point, Matt. But I do want to touch on what what what, what uh, Jack was saying a little while ago. Um, when I thought he was, I was getting all excited. I thought it was going to hit me in the wheelhouse of my idea um, <laughs> of changing the center position at line one and line two putting right. Cre- you got one more season to Krejci, right? Mm-hmm. Why not put him at the top line? He is like, like even Matt said early in the podcast, he's a pass first guy. He's the more creative uh, center out of both of them. Bergeron is more the scorer and the finisher. Right. I think that's more needed on the second line between two younger players while Krejci could thrive with his skill set with Marshan and Pasternak up there really? and Coyle on the third line, driving that possession line down there with somebody mm-hmm. else. And then Corrali. Mm-hmm. Oh really? my goodness. Yeah. I, I, think, I like it. I think you'd give Bruce Cassidy a heart attack. If you didn't <laughs> yeah. separating Marshawn and yeah. Bergeron. I, oh my God. Cause you move the guy down from the first down to the second or move somebody he's else. Oh, Stubborn with that though. Look yeah, at that. He is wicked bad. Yeah, he's he's lean. That line is his pacifier. I mean, he he the perfection line is he goes to bed at night spooning the perfection line. But on the fly, Matt, him. 
Matt, on the fly, when you're in deep games, when you still have time to, to get back into it and you don't do anything to mismatch and create secondary scoring sure. or opportunities elsewhere when that perfection line is not working, right. you're still being stubborn and you're not doing anything. Right. It's yeah, just it's a pacifier. It's a pacifier effect. I'm going to start using that. If you throw it down and they go hashtag pacifier, pacifier effect, and I'm going to tag you right. every time. Right, you are. Because <laughs> I, I think that's right. Though. I mean, I think I'm not saying it's it's right or wrong. I'm just saying that Bruce Cassidy, if there's anything, it's death taxes in the perfection line. Yeah. It's that's what it is. And, it, and he's not going to go down without that line being the top. Now, that line used to be tremendous five on five. But last year, they had such a tough five on five year that you need, like you said, to make those changes. I'm not, I'm not saying that you shouldn't because I think that's an intriguing option because then if you had Bergeron would say Kasha and DeBrusque, then Bergeron's down there being you know, uh, defensively responsible and the second line, plus he's aging Bergeron. I mean, in, in, after, you know, in the bubble, Bergeron wasn't terrific. I mean, he wasn't great. So, and, and there, there may be some chinks in the armor there with him. So maybe you can, but also Krejci, you know, he's, he's not exactly a young chicken either, but he does, like you said, pass first. He can set up those guys. And I like Craig Smith on the third line. I'm with Jack. Don't, don't put him in the top six. Don't because he, his effectiveness, Coyle and Smith could be one of the top third line pairings of forwards in the league. I mean, they could, they'll, they'll be able to produce, they'll have great puck possession, they'll be able to score, Smith loves to shoot, Coyle has been very good, I, I love that third line prospect, I don't care who, Bjork, whoever is with them, Corrali, I don't care, whoever, but I think that that potentially is a really good third line for them, and that's what you need to be a contender, look at T Tampa Bay's third line, they were terrific, that's why they won the cup, you know, for the most part. So I, I, I am, I'm in agreement, but Bruce Cassidy, if I know co hockey coaches, I know this, they can be stubborn. We saw with Julian where they do, he, he would never change lines. Now he would keep rolling out the same four lines over and over again, even through the bad times it would frustrate Bruins fans, but hockey coaches can be creatures of habit. And that's the one thing, the one gripe I've had with Cassidy is that sometimes he sort of sticks with what got him there and it's a safe play you know he's won a lot of games here but again you have to know when to change it up a little and uh, it'll be interesting to see especially when there's these injuries who steps up and who catches some momentum from it and then who doesn't and that's going to be a go a long way to see how far this team goes i think this season um mark any sbngs out there got two I got two, Excellent. baby. I w looked in nice. my little calendar, and I'm very pumped to, to find two of them. There was a bunch of trivias right. in there, but I didn't want to bust your bubbles, you know. Right. You old folk. <laughs> yeah. You old folk. Jack knows no, all kidding. those answers. He'd yeah, I know, right? I didn't want to yeah. pump his tires. <laughs> Jack. Yeah, maybe the second time he's on. <laughs> get him all lubed up and see what he does. Yeah, after yeah, right? yeah. Get him all, get him all confident. All right. Yeah. So on November eighth, which is actually today, uh, the uh, Bruins fan favorite Stan Jonathan was traded to the Pittsburgh Penguins in 1982 for cash. Wow. Yes. Cash. Yes. Wow. Cash deals fighters. were a real thing back in the day, and they weren't capped. Yeah. <laughs> 
he was a he was one of the great fighters, one of the real tough guys, just sort of have borderline lunatic, but but he would fight hit some of the worst fights in the world I've seen were with, with Stan Jonathan. What a segue. Yeah. What a segue right there. Borderline <laughs> lunatic. Because what the next I, guy uh, I have okay. <laughs> on November 10th, 1977, Bruins Terry O'Reilly okay, there you scored, go. scored three goals and an assist in a B's 5-2 victory over the Los Angeles Kings. Wow. Now, here's the thing. I, I did a little research. And back then, in those years, you had the Jonathans, you had the O'Reillys, you had the Wisnecks and so on. And I don't, can't go on the whole list. But there were so many people on that team in that duration that could have 30 goals, 30 assists, 60 points, and over 300 penalty minutes. It was absolutely insane. Don't quote me on the stats exactly, but listen, there were 12 people on a 20-man roster that had over 20 goals. Yeah. It could still kick your freaking ass. Yeah, it was crazy. I think uh, I think Bobby Miller was one guy. I mean, there was a lot of guys that you were like, "Wow, he had he had twenty goals!" Like it's just, it was insane. And those teams back then, it was a different hockey. I mean, they were oh yeah, no help, no helmets, slower finesse game, in my opinion, all the time. Yeah, but all the time they were smoking butts in the live in the locker room, drinking and (laughs) smoking butts, and you know some of them had other part time jobs. They weren't making any money. I mean, it was a different league back then. Yeah, but, but you've seen a... hockey start to change again here. After the Tampa Bay Lightning won the Stanley Cup here, you've seen teams this offseason say, hey, they they bullied people. They, they, right. They're they big, they're tough, and you've seen teams react already. Yeah. And teams yeah. have gone out this offseason and got bigger and tougher. Right. right. Well, you've seen the Bruins do it. I mean, when they lost to the Blues. You know, who would have thought that Pat Maroon would have changed the NHL forever, right? I mean, he's just some big slug on the wing that just being in front of the net and, and making Tory Krug look like a nine-year-old in front of the net. I mean, that's, that's um, you know, it's the league maybe trending back to a little bit heavier and bigger. But I remember when these defensemen, 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, everybody seemed to be tall and big. And then it started to go the other way where, again, once the league goes one way, teams will start to go the other way to try to change it. And then it just cycles. And right now we're in a cycle, I think, of getting heavier and bigger. And you know, we'll see what happens. I think the Bruins have, I think the Bruins too are trying to get back to where they were as far as being a little heavier and a little, a little tougher and see that that, but again, they could have won the cup if Marcus Johansson scores on a great chance in front uh, in the beginning of game seven, maybe it's completely different. Maybe they win the cup. I mean, it's literally one game away. So I, so I, it, you know, I think it's still a, a speed and skill game. And, and I don't know with the contracts that people are going to want to go bang bodies 80, 82 games a year. So I, I don't know how big and tough and heavy it's going to get. Cause I think there's just too much money involved and too many injuries that come with, you know, you know, just banging bodies every game, but you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens, I guess on that. Um, all right, so thanks everyone for the uh, Ask BNG uh, stuff. We didn't have any. <laughs> you didn't have any. Yeah. No. Nope. <laughs> so so get get your Ask BNG. Get your uh, hashtag Ask BNG for next episode and uh, and tweet that out to us and tell us what you'd like us to talk about in episode two hundred three. Uh, next item on the agenda, we let we have to say rest in peace to a great hockey fan, a true Canadian, one of the great Canadians ever. Alex Trebek passed away. Uh, at the age of 80 with pancreatic cancer, obviously he had been 
a sick and failing uh, toward the end of that last Jeopardy season. And uh, he will certainly be missed. He was in my household every night at 730 for a long, long time. One of the iconic game show hosts ever. And just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on, on Alex Trebek. Go ahead, Jack. You're the guest here. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw that uh, earlier today. It, that's awful. And class act on uh, the Ottawa Senators, which you don't get to say very often, for uh, <laughs> putting Trebek on during the draft and, and letting him do that because he, he was a gigantic hockey fan. Uh, he, he was such a good guy. Uh, I just hate cancer. It, it's, it's awful. Uh, I, I know that his passing will, will go a, a long way towards uh, helping uh, gain traction for finding a cure. And um, it's, it's so sad to see him go. Such a class act. Yeah, uh, Alex Trebek, for me, um, not the most smartest person on this panel right now. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> but uh, listening and, uh, and, and playing along with Alex when I was a younger child, um, when my, my mom and dad were married to the, to the divorce was, was always something that we did together as a family, uh, at that time for half an hour, there was, there was that sit down and, uh, read the answer and see who could blurt out the, the correct, the correct one in, in, uh, an appropriate amount of time. It was almost like a, a competition between family and so on. So it, for, for me, it got everybody together and just, you know, for that small short of time each day, each week, whatever. It was uh, something fun to do. Um, but I also learned a lot, you know, I mean, the guy just did an unbelievable job, um, you know, being a, being a host of a, of a game show like that. And, you know, and, and, you know, it's great for the mind stuff like that. You look at that and you're like, Oh, I didn't know that. But then you, with the internet age now, you go and you research it and you learn more about it. So it's just like an avenue of knowledge that I really enjoyed about the whole thing. And like I said, I'm not the smartest guy around, but I like the the avenues that are given to you in a, on, a, on a program like that. So uh, rest in peace to Alice Trebek and family and friends. Um, our thoughts all here at Black and Gold uh, Productions uh, Sports Media Company go out to you and um, just uh, an unbelievable guy. Absolutely. And uh, Alex Trebek, uh, just an icon really in the game show industry. And I thought it was interesting that Sean Connery and, and Alex Trebek died within a week each other when they were the focus of one of the great SNL skits of all time and Celebrity Jeopardy. And uh, for them to die within a week of each other, I think was great. It was one of my just the classic, classic SNL um, skit and uh, with with, uh, with Will Ferrell as, as Alex Trebek. And, <laughs> And uh, I love Alex Trebek, loved, loved that show. Uh, learned a lot, like you said, Mark, about just general trivia uh, about from that show. And, and just one of those shows you just put on is like, is like a staple of your, your home just every single night. We're going to sit down and watch Jeopardy. And it was just, just great. And uh, he will be sorely missed for sure. Um, so but I just wanted to let everybody know that you, you want to get on blackandgoldhockey.com. And, and read some of the great articles that our writers are pumping out at least a, at least one a day, every single, even during this, uh, what people consider a slow time in Bruins hockey in the off season here. And we're still pounding out articles. So get on blackandgoldhockey.com and, and check out all the great articles, all the great information, speculation. We have several great writers, including Jack and Mark and myself. And we mentioned Mike Craddy earlier. So uh, and many others. So definitely get on that as well. And, and Mark has some mentions about Patreon. 
I, and before I do the Patreon thing, I do want to say that we're looking for writers. If you guys want to join up and you're passionate about the sport, you're driven to like produce multiple articles a month, trying to get away from the passengers, but we love them because it's content. But we need more folks that are driven that want to produce multiple articles per month. So please go to blackandgoldhockey.com and check out uh, the About Us. Click on the information, look through there. And please send me an email if you're interested. We're looking for writers. We're looking for uh, uh, YouTubers. We're looking for podcasters or anybody in audio. We're looking for editors. We're looking for a ton of things. This, this is a new Boston sports media production company, and we're looking to grow at a very aggressive rate. So please let me know if you're interested. And, and even if you don't want to write, throw a creative idea out. If it's Boston Bruins related, we will accept it. We're looking for history. We're looking for this day in Boston Bruins history articles. We're looking at birthday articles, something that you can do within 250 words to get it out quick. Please let me know if you're interested. So uh, blackandgoldhockey.com, click on the uh, about us and then go right to the, um, uh, there's an email link right there. You send me an email, send me a cover letter and a little bit about yourself and, your, and some writing examples and we'll look at them. We'll see if you're a fit. We have like almost 30 people here and we're still growing, which is absolutely crazy. Speaking of growing, speaking of growing, our Patreon membership has been growing excessively in the past couple of weeks. We want to say thank you to everybody who's financially supporting us with donations via patreon.com. Please go to patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast. All you're going to do is donate $1 to be eligible in some fantastic drawings. Starting the 3rd of January, 2021, we are going to start doing weekly giveaways for a whole year. We have uh, things to give away for 365 days, 52 weeks a year. We're ready to rock and roll, and it's going to happen on the 3rd. We have Boston Bruins t-shirts via the Fantastic Fanatics Company. We have our own B&G summertime gear that I bought a ton of back in August, but we're still gonna give them away. Uh, we have hats. We have other items from Fanatics that are fantastic calendars, uh, hats, shoes, whatever you wanna call them. Uh, uh, Boston Pride stuff that I, I, I donated. If you uh, bought a rally towel and a puck for $20, you donate a mask to a kid that's going to school in Boston. So I bought four of them. It's just, a, it just that's how we support each other in Boston here. And sign pucks. We have signed pucks. Let me, let me, we have signed pucks from Carl Vadney, uh, Vern Flannan, Wayne Cashman, Reggie Lemlin, Rick Middleton, Taz O'Reilly, Jerry Cheevers. Unbelievable. Just a dollar. One dollar gets you eligible for any of these things. So please go to blackandgoldhockey.com. Also want to mention, we do have some great gifts from the store next door that I bought from up in Nova, uh, Nova Scotia. They send them down to me with some extras, extra little goodies. So we're going to give that stuff away too. But please go to Black and Gold Hockey. Uh, sorry. Please go to patreon.com slash Black and Gold Hockey Podcast and donate just $1. Thank you to Haley Marie. She's my girl. Thank you to Brett for the $5 Patreon. And thank you to so many others who have done this. This is an unbelievable. But we want to grow more. We want to give these away every podcast that we do for the rest of our lives. So to do that, Help us out, cut the, cut the cost a little bit, but also pitch in a little bit so I can put online, make orders and get some more prizes and we can give them away weekly. 
So thank you very much for everybody who has done that so far and considering to do it in the future. And I'm also I'm also hearing a rumor that Jack Gotzel is going to match any five dollar Patreon uh, <laughs> donation too. So you got that going for you too. Um, well, many yeah, thanks I, to Jack. Yes, thank you so much, uh, Jack. And, and yeah. I'll 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 get that signed agreement, Matt. On one right, of, yeah, like, I, I would do it these, like now. One of these? Yeah. No, no, no. I'll do it one of these nights when we're having cocktails and we're doing yes. streams. Yeah, probably. That's the easiest way to get them. <laughs> yeah, he'll wait. Soften he'll wait till I'm a couple pink Whitney's deep. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you'll want to check Jack Gotzel out on Jacked Up, uh, the uh, the Bruins Talk Jacked Up podcast uh, on all your podcast platforms, and look at and listen to episode number three. It's epic. It's his best episode yet. Uh, <laughs> I believe that's where I fall in love with Matt. I was just like, right. I, I think we have to get this guy. I'm like Heather. Listen to this. Listen to episode three. Tell me what you think about Matt. He's like, wow, I really like. I like, you know, his chemistry and blah, 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 and so on. So it was like, I had a blast we made the deal within 24 hours that he needed to come on the show. Yeah, yeah. and he could deal with me. So, like, you know, right. he's patient. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, was, it was great. I mean, and, and that's exactly how it happened, actually. Is you, you, Mark said to me, send me, you know, send me something. I said, yeah, listen to Jack, listen to Jack's podcast. Yeah, yeah. there we go. It did work so out, old. so that's great. Jack, I do want to say thank you very much for making your debut today and, um, and, and covering for Heather. Um, I know that you had a really busy day uh, over at another place that you work at. And um, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed that you, you backed away from that and made time for us. So thank you so much. Oh yeah, it was a pleasure. Germano uh, stepped up your favorite passenger there. So uh... <laughs> Did you see my tweet? Oh, I did it. <laughs> go, go look at his timeline. Oh, I'm going to pass that out. But, uh, but thank you very much. It was a pleasure getting on here. Uh, yeah, I was over there for the, for the first hour and then, uh, made my way over here to talk some Bruins hockey it was a blast and maybe I can, uh, make it again sometime. Hopefully it's not under the circumstances of Heather being sick or anything like that. I hope she feels better, but, uh, thank you very much. It was a blast. Well, since you did so good here, I'll have you back on. <laughs> this was this was the lube we'll see how you do it the next time when we're fully involved yeah, there <laughs> we go absolutely <laughs> <laughs> well that'll do it for episode 202 of the black and gold hockey podcast many thanks to jack for for spending some time and mark a great episode thanks again yeah buddy we're rocking it we're freaking rocking it yeah we are we're, we're the best you, you can get all your bruins talk right from us every week uh so everybody have a great week everybody thanks for listening Thanks again for listening to and supporting the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please share the show with your friends and family, and don't forget to subscribe to and leave a five-star rating for the show on your favorite podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Between shows, help us keep the Bruins talk going by visiting our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, by sending an email to blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com, and by following the show on Twitter at blackandgoldpod. Peace out.